Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. And this episode, uh, we are going to pick up where we've left off in the Deep Purple Saga. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And, and where we last left off, the newly formed Mark II lineup had been on tour in support of their album, Deep Purple in Rock. And it rocks. Yes. Uh, 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 I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard to see. It really wasn't very good. <laughs> In September of 1970, they started work on the follow-up album. They wanted to avoid repeating the chaotic and haphazard way they had recorded in rock, which, you know, squeezing the sessions in between concerts. But this was halted after producing only one track, a song called Anyone's Daughter. Uh, which I'll talk a little bit about that later. They halted after that so that they could go back out on tour in Europe to capitalize on the sudden success of the single Black Knight, uh, which had been out for several months, but uh, unexpectedly uh, found a late uh, audience. <laughs> Apparently people ignored it for like three months and then all of a sudden, it's, hey, hey, there's that song. <laughs> it's a late audience. Are they pushing up daisies? I guess. Singing with the choir invisible? Yes. Pining for the fjords? Aren't we all pining for the fjords? They are an ex audience. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, let's move anyway, on. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, writing sessions commenced in late December in the Devon countryside near the coast at a manor house known as the Hermitage. The writing sessions would continue as recording started in January of 1971 at various studios in London, with gigs now squeezed in between recording sessions instead of the other way around. One of the songs that they got out of the Devon writing sessions was a song called Strange Kind of Woman and was released as a single in 1971, reaching number eight in the UK. Um, and I don't think it was released as a single in the States. If it was, it did not do very well. And I'll, I'll explain kind of what the record company did with that. Um, here in a little bit. The sessions for the new album, eventually called Fireball, would stretch into June, and it would be released in July of 1971. Uh, it's a little eclectic. It's not quite as heavy as In Rock was. It's a little more experimental, maybe a little more progressive. Personally, I don't think of Deep Purple as a progressive rock band like I do Yes or maybe even Jethro Tull. Yeah, ELO. Yeah, you know, some of those bands. But Ian Gillen, at that time, I think he may have considered them more progressive. As we'll talk a little bit more later, nobody at the time really, even, even though the press was starting to throw this phrase around, none of these bands were really considering themselves heavy metal. Deep Purple has done stuff that touched on metal. Again, the In Rock album and some of their later stuff, certainly you hear how it definitely had an influence, but... Yeah, none of these bands were really considering themselves that at this point. <laughs> Not even Black Sabbath, who were around. Yeah, a lot um, of them don't like to be called heavy metal. Especially at that point. So yeah, when you're talking about Ian Gillen and his thoughts and how he thought of the band, I, I wonder if that's why he actually thought, I read that this is one of his favorite albums of Deep Purples. He thought it was tremendous possibility of expression. So maybe because of the way he thought of the band, he liked it better, whereas... Richie Blackmore wasn't very pleased with it because he didn't want it to be progressive. 
You know, and that could be, that could be. And, and I do know that after Richie was out of the band and Steve Morse was in the band in the uh, late nineties and more current stuff that they've done, they started adding more songs from this album to their touring set lists. I guess occasionally they would creep into the set list every once in a while, but for a long time, I think a lot of these songs were ignored. There's another reason, and I'll get a little, get into a little bit of that here as we go on too, but there's another reason some of these songs got ignored too. But there were initially two different versions of the album released. The track listings are largely the same, opening with the title track, Fireball. It's another one of my all-time personal favorites. And James and I got to see them, what was it, August of 2017? Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, a year, a little yeah. over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And this that was the first time I had seen Deep Purple. Um, it was the first time either one was had seen Deep Purple. But I, between the two of us, I am a huge Deep Purple fan. <laughs> and I had always wanted to see Deep Purple. And you can just imagine how excited I was when they opened up. If I remember right, they opened with Highway Star. I know they played it. But I do believe you are correct, my good Yeah. Son. They go from Highway Star, and the next thing you hear, because uh, it just sagged straight into it, was the opening drum intro. Uh, yeah, yeah, opening drum intro. That's kind of redundant. What's <laughs> <laughs> opposed to the opening drum outro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which you're going to hear here in a second anyway when I drop this in. But to hear the drum intro to Fireball start, I had a smile on my face the rest of the night. I didn't care what the hell they played after that. I, <laughs> it, it was a, a very awesome show and i'm glad i went although i will say i wish i would have seen them when they're younger i mean oh yeah they were yeah. fantastic but there does come a time where their stage presence because they can't move very fast or yeah yeah and you know <laughs> i yeah. will agree with that yes I, I would have liked to have seen them earlier but uh, but then again i will say that they almost moved as well as motley crew did at their <laughs> last concert and they actually played all the notes and sang all the words correctly. So I would have seen Deep Purple now in their 70s as opposed to Crew again in their 50s. And I'm not going to disagree with you on that one either. And I loved the crew. I loved the crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a tangent. Let's not go to okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, me, as I is, drink uh, my pale ale. There you go. Here is a, here's a sample of the title track Fireball. from this song that Ian Pace is using a uh, double bass setup on his drums, which he did not typically do, especially back at this time. 
Well, and he, he really still doesn't even do it now. For those of you who don't know, the bass drum is usually the big drum on the floor that you see may, may have the band's name written across it. And some drummers use two of those, or if you're like, you know, Alex Van Halen, you've got four of them. Um, <laughs> and really, you can only play two at a time. Uh, but well, you could. You can actually play all four because you get the double kick and you have two that, feet. Yes. So. Well, now now you can, but back when deep purple recorded this song they didn't have the double kick <laughs> floor toms for for the for the bass drum so that meant that when they had to play the song live they would have to stop while they wheeled out a second dr- uh, bass drum <laughs> <laughs> to, to put with ian's ian pace's drum set and, and of course now like james was saying you've now got these double kick drum pedals so the song Fireball is also a rare instance of a Deep Purple song, especially on the albums that Richie Blackmore did, where there is no guitar solo. Instead, there's a bass solo from Roger Glover, followed by a John Lord organ solo. This is followed by the tracks uh, No, No, No. And on the UK and European version of the album, the song Demon's Eye. And finally, Anyone's Daughter, uh, which we mentioned before, was the first song that they had actually worked up for it, it which is a bit of country, actually. It's, it's a bit of a country song from a uh-huh. hard rock band. Well, hot dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's another country song from a hard rock band. Um, and Yeah, which we'll talk about in a Led Zeppelin episode. <laughs> which, okay, nah, well, well I'll, I'll tell that story when we do that. Led Zeppelin episode. Cool. Um, <laughs> Anyone's daughter. I, it's it's a funny song, and the the lyrics are basically about Ian Gillen keeps getting caught with these different young women by their fathers, and by the end of the, let's see what was it, it was a farmer's daughter, and then the the judge's daughter, and then the rich man's daughter who he winds up staying with because she gets pregnant. And that's what he always wanted was the rich man's daughter. (laughs) Well, I stood under your bedroom window, throwing up a brick. No one came. I threw one more. That really did the trick. Your daddy came and banged my head. He said, what kind of man is this? That's hanging around my girl. (laughs) Threw me in the can. You're a farmer's daughter. You're a, Farmer's daughter, why do I always get the kind of girl I didn't ought to get? I won't get no more eggs and water. Now I've laid the farmer's daughter. <laughs> uh, but that, that finishes off side one of the album. Side two starts with a bit of psychedelia. So, so you've got hard rock. This is why I said it was eclectic. You've got hard rock. You've got country. You've got psychedelia. <laughs> and uh, th- that's a song called The Mule. Mule. Living the crowd 
apparently there's a phase effect that they put on the song when they recorded it. And they were sitting in the studio messing around and somebody went, listen to this and started playing the tape backwards because it made this really cool sound with that phase effect. Now, I, I know James knows how a tape setup goes, right? Are you talking about the reel to reel? Well, re the, yeah. Well, reel to reel or cassette, either yeah, one. Yeah, it was pretty much the same thing, I guess. Yeah. So the, the tape goes from left to right and it goes through these wheels and it goes across the playback head unless your deck is set up with a record head. The record head is in front of the playhead. So as you go from left to right, you've got the record head and then the playhead so that you record and then, it, you know, and nobody realized at first as they were playing the song backwards that the record function was on. As they were playing it backwards, they're erasing Ian Pace's drums. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so they get about halfway through the song and somebody goes, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> so he had to re-record about half of the drums on this song. <laughs> no, I'm fine, guys. Thanks. <laughs> oh, oh, to make it better? They had finished recording the album at that point. Or they had, re they had finished at that studio and they had packed his drums up and shipped them off. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so they had to get another kit and bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently i've never noticed it but apparently if you listen close enough to the song you can hear the difference in the drums about halfway through the song you, the, the drums will start to sound a little different i'm gonna that have was, to listen to that more closely now <laughs> yeah the mule also became ian pace's spotlight song that was typically where his drum solo was inserted in their concerts so following that is a, a song called fools ian gillen's lyrics uh, according to roger glover are from the perspective of a man who has died and is looking back at the world and admonishing humanity for the way it is destroying itself, which is kind of timeless, actually, because you could take any era yeah. <laughs> and you could do that. God, um, I hate humans. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how far back he may have been thinking, but yeah, it, it could apply to almost any era. And, you know, it's almost funny when I listen to it, the thing that pops into my head is Jesus standing there going, you guys got it all fucking wrong. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> anyway, um, that's just my, uh, my thinking on that. I can't see what's wrong with me. album closes with the song no one came which is a comment on the entertainment industry in particular the music industry he kind of sings about how well yeah we'll drop a sample in you'll get an idea what the lyrics are about <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because i'm only starting i think it won't 
Some other songs recorded during the session included I'm Alone, which was the B-side to Strange Kind of Woman, Freedom, and Slow Train, both of which were shelved until Roger Glover dug them out for the album's 25th anniversary release. Okay, so I mentioned that was the, the, the UK and European version of the, the track listing on the album. The version released in North America, and I say North America because it wasn't just the US, it was also Canada, as well as Japan, replaced Demon's Eye with Strange Kind of Woman. And we'll talk about this probably in some other episodes. A lot of British bands... Uh, especially going back to the Beatles in the 60s, would release, uh, well, uh, before the album, before the, the you know, the, the LP, long playing album, became considered uh, art in and of itself, almost everybody relied on releasing singles. And the Beatles came along and they didn't do that. They released singles and then they would release an album and the singles would not be on the album. And the singles would sell and the albums would sell. Well, when the Beatles music started to be released in the U.S., Capitol Records, which was their U.S. label, they would release different albums because they would do it with different track listings so that they could put the singles on an album because they, the, the U.S. record companies, for some reason, have this idea that that's, that's how you sell the album is you get this hit song out there and then people buy the album. Yeah, they so, did the same thing with uh, The Suite. Yeah, and they and did it with the Yardbirds other too. Bands, yeah, yeah, and when we do a Yardbirds episode, we'll we'll talk some about that there. But that's what happened with the Fireball album was that Warner Brothers wanted Strange Kind of Woman on there because it had been a single. So that's why the the track listing is a little bit different. And we're here, here's a here's a little bit of Strange Kind of Woman since we've been talking about it. We might as well play you a little bit. Yeah, of Yeah, we should. There once was a woman, a strange kind of woman The kind that gets written down in history Her name was Nancy, her face was nothing fancy She left the trail of happiness and misery I loved her, everybody loved her She loved everyone and gave a good return I tried to take her, I even tried to break her She said I ain't for taking, won't you ever you may or may not have been able to tell from the lyrics um the song is about a prostitute that the person telling the story in the song has fallen in love with and is visiting spending you know uh, his money with this prostitute trying to convince her to quit being a prostitute and finally she does she she says she'll marry him which she does and then dies see don't give up your <laughs> dreams stay a hooker <laughs> not quite where i was going with that but okay <laughs> <laughs> Everything. See, that's what art's great for. Everybody gets to put in their own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The album, Fireball, was another top ten hit in the UK. Uh, it reached number eight on the charts. And do you know how it did in the US? I do. I do. It did way better than 143. Yeah. It hit 32. Yes. Which is a top 40 album. It is. Do yeah, you know yeah. where it hit number one? 
Um, I do not. I, I do. Where? It, number one in, in Belgium, on the Belgium cards, the Danish charts, Germany, right. Swedish charts, uh, of course, the UK, uh, Austrian charts, mm-hmm. and the Norwegian charts. All right. And, and it was said to be a huge influence, I actually threw interviews on Ingve uh, Malmsteen. Yes. Uh, Lars Auric. Yes. King Lars Diamond. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks puts this one up there with Led Zepp too, as his, uh, now all of them, th- this album and the other one listed were one of some of the reasons they actually want to play music. So yeah, nicely yeah. done. I can, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy the album. I mean, there are great songs on it. Yeah, it's eclectic. And, 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 and this is the point I, I mentioned earlier. We talked a little bit about how it kind of got lost a little bit here. I think part of the reason why the Fireball album gets overlooked because it came out after In Rock, but before Machine Head. <laughs> <laughs> Machine Head? I think I've heard of that album. Yeah, you may have. Yeah. That'll be talked about in the next episode, and I'm going to try and make it so that it's not the entire episode, but you never know. <laughs> because I've got lots of stuff to talk about about that album. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So that wraps up Deep Purple's Fireball album. I hope you enjoyed this one. And again, uh, check, it, check out the album. And, you know, buy it, but, you know, definitely check it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, right? It's good. It's all right. It's all right. It's good. Yeah, what you said. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yes, 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 moving on. Well, in that case, until next time, I'm Jody. And I'm James. Later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. But since we're talking about drum kits, I'll say one of my favorite shows uh, was Cheap Trick. Um, I, I, I'm a, I know they're not metal at all, but I love Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah. But, it, but it's amazing because you see Bun E. Carlos, uh, and, and he's got one of the smallest him. drum sets you could ever possibly want to see on a huge concert stage, and it was still fantastic. Love Bun E. Carlos. Uh, great drummer. And he does phenomenal things with, a, with, with that small drum kit. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because I don't know that we ever will do a Cheap Trick episode. If we do, that'll be awesome. (laughs) I'm I'm sure we will. You're not going to sleep yet, are you? No, I'm going to get Okay. All right, sorry. I'm I'm glad you weren't talking. Yeah, I I paused there, and you said that, and I I was was about to say, well, I know. But actually, I should be able to edit that with no problem. Are you you going to ask me if I have anything to add? Do you have anything to add? No. (laughs) See? <laughs> um, do you have anything to say? Not about this that's useful, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And yeah, I don't like saying his name right because I, I actually should have said Ying Yang 2 on Ningbei. <laughs> but, uh, I wondered why you didn't. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it immensely. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold and I've been inhibiting my beer consumption. I've only halfway done with a little session ale. Next time I should be able to get nice and drunk. All right. That'll be fun. Hooray. For one of us. (laughs) For me, because I get to make your life hell. How do you know I won't also be drunk? The two of us. That's even better.